This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. MyBookie presents Shake Them Ropes, new customers, double your deposit using the code ROPES. Also this week, we are sponsored by Keeps. More on them later. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Chris, there was a whole lot. We watched almost everything. What was the thing, or what was something you actually liked this week? Oh, ho, ho. Oh, you are putting me on the spot right now, Mr. Hawkins. All right, I will I will go first then, and I will give you time to think. I yes, really, really liked the cage match between Rhea Ripley and Mar- Mercedes Martinez. I okay. thought I thought that was great. I thought it was brutal. It felt like a fight in a cage versus a wrestling match in a cage at times. And if what appears, it looks like Mercedes Martinez is the voice behind Retribution, spoiler alert, uh, then it's a fitting send-off for her, the way they did it, but... Uh, no, I really enjoyed that. Not a whole lot for me to enjoy the rest of the week, but uh, your turn. Wait, you think she's the leader of Retribution? I thought she. I thought it was Dijak. Well, Dijak's in there, but the voice, they, someone, the internet is undefeated, Chris. And they took off the voice modulator. That is Mercedes Martinez doing the talking. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, I am... Looking at this, what did I think was actually good? Good. Um, I got into my comments to you from the AEW show. Uh, it's a bit of a desert over there right now. I feel like there was something in Raw that I didn't hate here at some point. Um, that might be wrong, though. That might be wrong. Um, I th- this was a tough week, Jeff. Uh, this is a. You know what I like. You know what I like in general, even despite the Cedric Alexander stuff, I always like the Hurt Business. Um, yeah. I, I like MVP. I like Sheldon Benjamin. I like uh, Bobby Lashley. I thought uh, that Shelton was doing a good job uh, playing into the being suspicious to Cedric Alexander thing. Um, yeah, Hurt Business. They, they keep me watching. And uh, you know what else I like? I like Roman... And Jimmy Uso. Um, okay. Yeah, like, I, I like this story. Um, there's other stuff around this story specifically I don't care for. But the familial intensity between the cousins, I like that. I like that Roman's changing. I even liked a lot of the execution of tonight. If you didn't have Baron friggin' Corbin in, in this mix here... Um, I, I think just the dynamic between Jimmy and Roman, um, that really works for me. I like that. Okay. Yeah. The other thing I, I liked, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked Bailey's promo tonight. I, she had a verbal miscue and I can't believe they didn't retape it. I think they did because she goes, 
That's what made me two belts banks <laughs> that she covered yes. for it real quick. Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, well, hold on here, guys. We, we have tape. We, we're not. I hope they weren't live. I think they might have been, though. I, oh, yeah, they were. They were live because of the Thunderdome. I don't like that everyone's uh, all these stories are depending on the it was a plan all along. Twisteroo. Now, um, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about that first hour of Raw. Because okay. to a person, you, myself, and I think it was Brian Rose from F4W. We're like, we're 42 minutes in and everybody, <laughs> everybody was commenting on, my God, we're only 42 minutes in. These stories were mostly the same. Teams that have broken up or squabbling or whatever. It, it was just, it ma- the stories made no sense. Like that Billy K. Peyton Royce thing, where last week she throws her into raw underground and then this week she beats her clean and then they make up they have this emotional moment um that doesn't get lingered on in the slightest by commentary so <laughs> but uh, the, the camera worst, lingers on it like a long time when they're hugging no like they actually uh they zip over to the commentary table well yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, like like and then commentary of course you know they moving right along yeah. but uh the, the the other thing is even during the match Commentaries talking about a lack of animosity and intensity between Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. And Billy Kay comes out. She is dressed up and acting heel-ish um, in her new getup. Peyton comes out. She is also acting heel-ish um, in her entrance. Then- <laughs> her entrance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, needs it's, a little uh, practice. Needs a little practice because it looked like she wanted to do something very choreographed and it just, it, it, she slipped. I, I, I died at this. I was like, who, who let that on national television before adequately getting it? And the problem is, of course, we have to do it live when you don't, because what, what, I don't understand. Okay. The Thunderdome's great and all. But it's not a necessity. You can just put people up there on screens and. <laughs> I mean, I just... at this point, Jeff, you could recycle fans and just have generic cheering fans and generic booing fans. And if well, I that's was what running. Doing. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that's that's the move. Yeah, it should just be that. Clappy fans, booing you... fans. Yeah, make it a canned audience. I mean, you know. It's not great. It's like a live execution version of an actual WWE video game audience, but uh, that's the safest, most predictable way to do it versus, you know, letting it be live to tape and, you know, taking your chances and seeing what happens. And then the Cedric turn. <laughs> the, there were, there's no way to do anything with that program that made sense because either you're turning somebody out of left field or you're turning Cedric, who's been beat, unless you say that they never really beat him up, which we know is not real. No, and we know that that's not real because they actually beat him up to begin this match, Jeff. <laughs> they, they, this is, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but this, I, I really racked my brain all week. I can't think of a more dumb turn. Uh, in terms of <laughs> every possible thing was pushing in the direction of Cedric Alexander to not side with the Hurt Business. Yes, there was an initial flirtation of this. Um, after we got that 
Oscar-worthy performance last week from TV person woman um, who, who said, Cedric Alexander, you never turned on your friends. Um, and then he didn't turn on his friends. We should have just stuck with it. And, and it seems like that was initially the plan because the Hurt Business attacks him. Um, and, and then he gets we get into the match. And then all of a sudden Cedric turns and he starts beating up Ricochet and goobers out Prince Puma, a franchise guy, a guy who's been treated like absolute crap since he's been on the main roster here. And then later on, Cedric Alexander gives a pretty incoherent explanation as to why he's joining the Hurt Business. And, and then it's still sort of Easter egged in that they left a little seed that maybe this too is a ruse, but the Jeff, the beatdown on Ricochet was real. So like Ricochet and Cedric had this conversation in between last week and this week, like, and Cedric's like this week, I'm going to beat the crap out of you during our match. And then we're going to have another match. and I'm going to beat the crap out of you some more. Um, and I'm going to be a real jerk to you. And then I'm going to, take down and i'm putting this in quotes over here because there is no actual business the hurt business and then it's not hey, a company they're hey, not going to get liquidated they're an llc they're a limited <laughs> liability corporation because of tax issues uh, <laughs> can i you've beat my ass like three or four times can i be your friend now thanks and then and then it looks like they're going to do the descent angle between him and and Sh- and Shelton, like right off the bat, they're not even going to be a unit. They and then it's going to be. It was my plan all along to foment. <laughs> Just right. Back. I want to create discord. No, like the, the it's pretty clear what the tentative plan is, which is that Cedric's going to try to get into Shelton's head. Shelton's going to actually have the read on Cedric, but Cedric's going to make Shelton seem like he's the crazy one, um, and then undermine the solidarity between Shelton. Lashley and MVP, which is dumb because the money is with all three of those guys together. It makes no sense to like create dissent unless unless you were going to turn MVP into a baby face, which makes no sense on the raw brand right now. MVP as a babyface might make some sense against Roman Reigns, um, but but does make makes no sense in the Drew McIntyre universe at this moment. Oh, I know what the other one. It's it's the Garza, <laughs> the Garza Andrade split that just has gone on for twelve weeks forever, and in the backdrop of never ending matches against the Street Profits. Yes, if you turn on this Raw, you basically are watching the same programs for the past six weeks. It, 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 it didn't, I mean, other than maybe Drew and, and Orton having some heightening to it because Keith Lee's now involved, that's pretty much, you know, everything. Natty and, and Lana and Nikki James and Asuka. It's like, yeah, how many times can we see the Street Profits and Andrade and and Garza over and over and over again? It's It's... Ah, I, I, I loathe. I'm trying to get you a concrete answer on this. No, uh, no suffice Six. it to say, there are <laughs> so many matches. I've got one from July 20th here. Uh, we've got one, obviously, four days ago. July 27th, they had a match. They had another match on August 23rd. Uh, th- that was just for a title match. That was Chris coming with the stats. Keep going. 
Yeah, uh, another one on July 21st, uh, July 29th, uh, August 1st. Uh, I'm trying to, I want to get this like further back. Uh, they've been having matches since March 24th of 2020. Uh, who could forget that one? That was a brawl. That was Andrade, Angel Garza, the Street Profits brawling. Um, let me see. What else do we have here? Uh, I said, I've hit August 10th. You know, obviously there's a bit of a recency bias here. March 23rd. This program has been going on for a very long time. People. I hope you get the point here. It's like a never ending matches of the street profits and Andrade and angel. And this like circular split with angel Andrade and Zelina that has not really created a natural baby face or heel dynamic. Like it feels like they're going to split up the same way that the Iconics split up, where both Angel and Andrade are heels, and that's going to get no one anywhere. Yeah, or, you know, because no teams are, are sticking together because everybody's having problems, but Chris, next week, or at least Monday, three days from now, Raw is in your face. <laughs> It, As opposed this to is down like worse or- than in your house. You don't have a house anymore. You can't afford a house anymore. So you got a face. We can still put it in your face. As opposed to down your throat, I guess. <laughs> Man, they were pushing that up hard on ass. SmackDown. <laughs> up your ass. Raw this week is up your ass. Raw up your ass. <laughs> uh, and of course, Getting don't forget about uh, Andrade and the Street Profits having a match at WrestleMania too. Oh yeah, <laughs> fight forever, taken literally. I yeah, I. Uh, there's not much news coming out of the, coming out of the WWE. Uh, Sixty employees, mostly from live events, but also including furloughed producers such as Mike Rotunda, Jerry Briscoe, and Sarah Stock were all officially let go. Gosh, Chris, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, times are tough. <laughs> No, it's really nice to do this right on the same week as the CARES Act didn't get extended to. So it's Mm. like, you're getting released, and oh, by the way, good luck with that. Yeah, that's just, I... (laughs) It's like, you know what we're going to... You know what it signals to me is that that this might be planning for future quote-unquote live events... Um, and how they're going to do it. They may not have to do house shows anymore. They saw how profitable it was not doing them. We might not have touring brands anymore because why do you need it? You can just have pay-per-views, SmackDowns, and Raw, and that's it because everybody watches the television. Nobody comes to house shows anymore. I think it probably would help the and especially when they want to get live events jump started again here making live events a little bit more exclusive um and, and you know you run a big show in chicago this month in dallas this month gives you like a week to get out there ahead of time if you want to do that uh, and you tape your shows your raws your smackdowns your nxts or whatever in studio and you're building to these big live events um i actually don't hate that model uh, i don't know that they're gonna do that i think they're i, I mean my gut tells me that you know vince is w- gonna want to get back in front of live audiences and perhaps watching aew um even with uh the not greatness of all out in terms of an in-ring product i think seeing the live crowds is probably going to give vince the jones here to get back in front of interested if we can get wrestlemania going by march 
I, I it's all going to depend on what happens in the winter. Yeah, yeah, win- winter is going to be a big one, and, and there's because, like a global factor here too, right? You know, like I mean, there's stuff that's completely out of control of the U.S. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're testing SoFi Stadium by running football games, but no crowds there this year. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, the only other news of note I had down here, Tenara Conte now officially AEW. I like her. I hope she improves. I'd send her to Japan for a year. <laughs> Bring her back. Let her be a killer. Occasionally do shows in the States. But uh, I, she, she has personality. I just want her... No, get her I, seasoned, because I, I think she's like a champion type of person. Uh, I think mm-hmm. she is a champion caliber type of talent, but she needs to just have a real crispness with the moves and the timing. She, I love the judo in, in her offense. Um, I yeah. think she's fun as both the baby face, but she's also good as a little cocky heel too. Um, and she's, as I said, I, I view her as a championship caliber talent. She just needs a little bit more polish. Agreed. Um, so I paid for all out on Saturday. I somewhat regret paying for all out on Saturday. Uh, I, I may just skip the next AEW pay-per-view and wait to hear if it's good or not. And then I'll buy a replay. My days of stealing pay-per-views are over, but boy, this show, I, do they, <laughs> well, when, I mean, they I think go... if you're talking about the price point, right? Like this is compared to what WWE charges. What's it? Five times the amount now. Like, yeah. Now, yes. Yeah, now, yeah, right, right. Back in the day, it was it was kind of comparable. But this is to... not back in the day. Um, I'm yeah. talking about the year 2020 here. So for 10 bucks here, uh, if you timed it right, you could have gotten SummerSlam and Payback, both of which were pretty watchable live events, for 10 bucks, Or you could pay 50 and have gotten this show. It wasn't that the matches were bad, per se. It was just the matches... Everybody wanted to do everything they wanted to do, and nobody said no. You did have a few bad sp- like the Matt Seidel shooting star. God, yeah, I no, felt- I, I mean, like, that that killed that match, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, that, I mean, and also the finish to that match was stupid, too. But, like, you have this big re-debut of Matt Seidel, who you give this key feature spot of the Joker card. And out comes Matt Seidel, and he takes a senton to no one. Um, yeah, like, no, he botches the shooting star press. And the worst part about it, too, is as he's coming down to the ring, his Titan Tron advertises his move. S S P. It's on <laughs> screen bright for you to see. You're like, oh, yeah, Matt Seidel. He had a really good shooting star press. I haven't seen him in a while. What's it look like? Well, it doesn't look so hot these days is the punchline there. And, and that was bad enough that they needed to, you know, give it the dark order treatment here and uh, just not even feature it on this week's Dynamite. Like, which is ridiculous because this guy was in this featured spot of being the Joker or the Joker card or whatever. And that means that he's not going to win, right, usually, unless you're doing a real hot shot angle. Um, but that's usually for a heel. But it still means that you brought this person in with the plans of doing something with them. And the first thing that this person did when they arrived on our television screen is botch their signature move. That sucked. Um, and it, it was not helped by the fact that the finish of this match 
was very stupid. And Eddie Kingston and Jake, Eddie Kingston climbing onto the turnbuckle and getting on one side of it and getting on the other side of it. And this week claiming that he wasn't eliminated by the rules. And I kind of thought that that was what was going on. But like at the same time, if the refs are down there on the floor and watching all of this, it's as though they've made an an official ruling on this. It's like the dumb part here. Like the, the conceit has already been made. And it was just, it was just a silly finish. Um, I don't even know that the right guy won. I actually kind of think that Eddie Kingston should have won. Uh, I think Lance Archer, uh, they, they they burned the the card with Lance Archer a little too soon. Uh, I think they, they should have played it. They should have waited to play it. Um, they still should have been building them up, but it is what it is right now. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matt Hardy goes off a scissor lift, basically misses <laughs> the tables he was supposed to hit, jumped over one, got the bottom half of his body on another, obviously looked knocked out to me. Oh, well, yeah. Look at where his head finishes up. Yeah. After, because, because he doesn't get the tables the right way, his head takes a clear, you know, This killed the paper the for the me. Yeah, I couldn't concentrate after this. I was just like, how do they? And, and also, how do you let them after a few moments go and do the finish of this match? I just I. So it really I came just into took the me out show of late and I had to circle back around and watch this match. I've read a lot of people say that, like, this took them out of the pay-per-view completely made sense to me when I went and watched it on the back end. But I got to tell you, if you thought that watching Matt Hardy, a guy who you like and enjoy and have watched for years in some cases, grew up watching and maybe tried to dress like at some point in high school if you're of a certain age, uh, like to see Matt Hardy, like his face is going purple there, man. Like he, he looked bad. They should have stopped the freaking match. Like the, this, this is an undercard feud. This isn't an important match. And they, they, if anything, this feud sort of overstayed its welcome. Just, just go home on it. Just finish out the match. Um, that that sucked, man. But uh, I I gotta tell you that that's not why the tooth and nail match with Big Swole and Britt Baker sucked. <laughs> that match sucked on its own merits, Jeff. But if you had seen the prior, <laughs> that's match, the hot opener too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we get to the Ugg Bucks and Jurassic Express, and like I, I of of all of the car or all of the matches on this card, this was probably the match I enjoyed the most. And I didn't, at that time, go, 
oh, wow, they're having a bad show. Like, when I was watching this match, I thought it was fine. Uh, you, you sort of turn the Young Bucks here a little bit. They're doing a little bit of cornering stuff. I think the Young Bucks were better as heels anyways. I, I Like, there's a spot for cocky, undersized, high-flyer guys who work in tandem with one another. Like, it, a lot of their act really does work naturally for heel them. Um, so I liked that match. I, th- I thought that match was pretty good. I liked Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. That was my favorite match of the night. Uh, which is odd because I was so looking forward to FTR versus Omega and Paige, and that thing had about five near falls too many, in my opinion. And, and that's what I was going to say about Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. Here's where we start to see the telegraphing of like a recurring problem in AEW, which is these big matches get way too many near falls. Um, and samey feeling near falls um, yeah yeah like, like it's it's not just like it's not just you know getting two counts like eventually obviously it's, it's the vince last... mcmahon this is it one two he kicked out yes yes in the same way that vince's understanding of tag team wrestling is exclusively limited to an understanding of the principles of the hot tag uh, like there is a thing that's happening with near falls in both companies where it, it is, it is almost always big move kick out. Like here's just an example of another way to get out of a near fall like this, have the person roll outside so they can't be pinned hit. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you saw that with, uh, Keith Lee almost a couple of weeks ago when he got hit with the RKO and then Drew McIntyre came in. Keith Lee was actually rolling out of the ring, so like Randy wouldn't have been able to pin him. Um, but actually, have that in a match. Uh, like we we haven't seen that in a while. I guess this will bridge us also into Dynamite a bit. But well, now we need to talk about Jim Ross. Jim Ross makes a comment about Anna Jay having a wardrobe malfunction. And then says, I guess that's just me hoping or something like that. And then he goes on Twitter and was not good either. Yeah, no, his, his, his apology wasn't good. And then he said, lighten up. And I'm just, you can't, you can't apologize and then say we're wrong for being angry at it. Now I want to bridge this into something else because on dynamite real quickly though, I thought he was going to get in trouble for repeatedly calling her a Jezebel and something else. Like, I mean, he's dancing around the S word pretty heavily here. Yeah. Jezebel's one that, uh, dusty like to use on baby doll. So I'm a little bit more used to it. That might be, no, no, I, I'm me being used too to old. Yeah, yeah, I'm used to it in an old timey context. But like, th- I think Jezebel is one of those words that maybe Jim hasn't actually like looked up the actual Webster's definition of in a uh, while here. Yes. And it might be time to take. You know, sometimes you run into that. You got a word that's in your vocab. Um, it's maybe not as problematic as the specific one we're talking about here. You like have him just- an Oriental. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right, right. You just haven't looked up, you know, in a while that like, oh, actually, that means something else. Uh, yeah. Hey, it happens. Uh, this is a, a, an instance of that, I would suggest. But it transitions well into an issue that he had on Dynamite where when, when they do the Alex Marvez bit with uh, with the Young Bucks, it's obvious that's supposed to be like for for our fandom, at least, you know, this, I think, as well. You remember when Nikita Koloff sickled David Crockett? Right, and it was such a right. shock moment. 
Ross comes out and goes, well, I guess he got invited to a super kick party. And you're just like, no, Jim, everybody's trying to be dead serious about this. And you're cracking a joke. And this is this is the big issue with Jim Ross right now, for me, at least. The announcer is playing a character on a television show. It's not Jim Ross, the person. It's Jim Ross, the announcer. And if he can't stay in character, if he has to continually comment on things as Jim Ross talent relations supervisor, which we we've been over before in terms of that theory, he needs to go. If he can't maintain focus and stay in character, he needs to go. It's just that simple because. Well, he talked such a good game on his podcast and stuff for years about what needs to happen on wrestling commentary. But when he's on the mic, he doesn't seem engaged. And if he doesn't like the product he's watching right now, if he doesn't think that the storytelling in the ring is necessarily uh, easy to do commentary over and tell cohesive plots because like for example sometimes limbs get worked and it doesn't mean anything or you know sometimes it looks like you're doing limb work and then the other guy just stops selling it entirely so it's like oh okay I guess we're not telling that story and like I get how that could be frustrating for someone who has to you know improvise a live call over these matches here uh, you'd want a little bit more coherence but you gotta be engaged man tony at least seems like he's having fun even when he's not necessarily uh nailing it or you know kind of killing it on the call here um and excalibur definitely you know seems engaged but jim ross his credibility is supposed to be what gets over this product and he def- he feels like he suffers from the same I'm a guy playing a guy on TV thing that Kenny Omega does, only on commentary. I think it's slightly different. And, and I'll, I'll posit this. He's the guy living off of the reputation as the great announcer. So all I got to do is go in there and announce and I'll be great. As, as opposed to the character thing, you, you have He's it on a cover he, band of Jim Ross at this point. He's like the aging rock group that like can't really quite play their own hits anymore, but they can play them well enough. And they did write them. Well, what you said is he needs to, I mean, concentrating and being engaged takes effort. And it takes a mindset that I have to put in effort. And when you've been called great for so long, I don't need to put in that much effort. I'll get it. It'll, it'll kick in. It's a reflex. No, no. And, and it's just, it's, it's becoming like the faux pause. How many, how many does he get before, before we say we can't have this on our television? Oh yeah, there's that. And and then the other part of it is uh, I just feel like Ross needs to be talking with the talent that he is calling the matches of and discuss with them. What do you want me to get over on commentary tonight? What are we trying to get over on commentary tonight? Where do you kind of think this match is going to go between you guys tonight? Like, What's you know, the story of this right, match? Right, right. Just simple stuff so that his call is on the same page as the talent's match. That might give him a product that he's more engaged with watching, um, and it will certainly help him with having these moments where he's lost as to what's going on right now or what he's watching. And then he'll reflect that by just laughing at it and mocking this thing that he doesn't understand. 
take that's a little not time. to excuse well, like uh, some of this stuff is good. I'm just saying like that, that that's also happening with Ross at the same time. Yeah. Uh, before we continue, gonna give a shout out to one of our sponsors this week, My Bookie. Summertime and at My Bookie, that can mean only one thing: it's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, Survivor, and more. At My Bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC. Oh, and guess what, kids? Football started this week. The craziest, craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition, select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code ROPES, that's R-O-P-E-S, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. We thank them for sponsoring Shake Them Ropes for the past few weeks. Go there, bet a lot, uh, bet what you can, make money, and then tell them that Shake Them Ropes sent you. Use code ROPES. So, Chris, the debut of Miro. Oof. All right. Um, uh, he, uh, it's hard to believe that this guy was once built and presented in such a way where he could credibly enter the ring on a tank. And this guy with the bleached blonde hair in his baggy clothing um i've been told it's expensive baggy clothing but it's baggy clothing that did not make him look like a superstar um coming out here talking about being a video game streamer and, and like so here's the worst part about the miro promo he well there okay actually i've got several parts here i i'm going to be going on for a second here jeff sorry um so, I yield my time to the speaker. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, first and foremost, uh, he comes out and he talks about how he has been stifled by the other company. You know that company. You know the one. Um, but then, in an effort to create an instant bond with the audience, what does he immediately return to and start crutching on? Rusev Day. Only under his new name that he'll be wrestling under, Miro, which is, like, his real name. But, like, it's Miro Day. So we're immediately going back to being a less kind of catchy, rolling-off-the-tongue, chantable sort of gimmick uh, of Miro Day. Um, Maybe even doing some sort of weird cover band version of that or, like, a bizarro version of that with Kip Sabian. Um, And then the next part is, like, he comes out and he starts talking about his Twitch stream, which is not really, like, if you're a wrestling fan, you, you know him because he wrestled on another show. Like, you're way more likely to know him because he's a wrestler and you've seen him wrestle. He wrestles on a bigger company. Um, and he's wrestled before this company that you're watching him on right now even existed. Like, this is how you know this man. It's not by his Twitch stream. Um, but then he plugs his Twitch stream, which obviously, of course, you're not allowed to have a Twitch stream anymore in WWE because wwe gonna wwe um but they have over in aew decided to make the face of the wwe 
are a bunch of jerks because they won't allow you to have a Twitch stream. Um, they've decided to make Kip Sabian, of all people, who is a twerpy heel, who is currently involved in a classic heel wrestling angle, a wedding. Um, you're going to have this guy be the face of the Twitch stream movement. And I get it. Yes, he has a Twitch stream. So do a lot of people in wrestling. So you pick someone who makes more narrative sense to do that with. Um, but then Miro, I, I was going to call him Rusev. He was doing the Rusev Day thing the whole time. Um, he cuts this promo, and it's neither heel nor face. It's just like angry, and he ends it with, and I'm all elite. Um, and now he's paired with Kip Sabian. And if they're building to a Kip Sabian and Miro feud, is this really like the right introductory feud for Miro? Um, and also... This is a guy who I just think should be coming in here and being presented as immediate competition for Mr. Brody Lee as a babyface. Someone who Mr. Brody Lee's legitimately scared of. Also, if you're trying to draw eyes off of WWE, um, who you're kind of sort of in a ratings war with now that you've broke a million, right? Um, you know, that, that that's kind of a big deal, right? It, it, having Luke Harper versus Rusev in a much more interesting dynamic than WWE managed to pull off while they had those two guys under their tent, um, that is something that'll get eyes on the product for people who are interested in what those two guys are doing, provided you actually presented Miro the right way. Yeah, I have a strong suspicion that Miro starts here and then they're going to try and build him because they didn't want to put him immediately in the main event slots. Because X WWE don't want to do that. I'll I'll throw in some points here. Number one, he's with Kip Sabian, who is nobody right now in the pecking order. He's right. a guy. I really like Kip Sabian. I yeah. like the Kip Sabian Penelope Ford act. I am I am on record with that. I like those two. I think they've got something, but they're nowhere in the pecking order. It's a horrible place to come in. It's a horrible place to come in. He comes in as the third beat of a comedy sketch. Because remember, we had two other best mans, including Brian Pillman Jr., come in first. And he comes in, again, designer clothing, but looking like what he was wearing at home, pretty much. Cuts a promo straight out of TNA about how Vince McMahon wouldn't let him have the brass ring, blah, blah, blah. And look, I don't... Here's where I was having an argument with people on the Twitter, and this is a problem it's for me. It's the uncliche, cliche promo, right? Like yes. Vince would talk about the brass ring and stuff, and then you go to the new company and you go, the brass ring's a lot, man. If, if you are cutting a promo to differentiate your product from the other wrestling company... I get that because that's been happening since territories were around and everybody was slagging on Vince's horrible clownish childish thing to sell toys and, and candy. And it was, it was, it was the circus, you know, ECW called it the circus. Arn Anderson would come out on NWA television and go, Hey, you know what? We, d we don't wear fancy boas and all this other stuff, but there is an amount of camp in pro wrestling that's in it, in it. But this is the kind of promo where you're whining about basically being fired from another job. 
And another problem here, too, with the anti-brass ring thing. If the brass ring is a lie, man, what are you over here in AEW to accomplish? Yeah, exactly. It's (laughs) trying to get the brass ring. And the thing is, to me, a guy like Miro is the easiest kind of guy to rehab because all you got to do is have him kill a guy. If he comes in as a killer, as an assassin, as a as a bounty hunter, as whatever. He puts the camel clutch on people week after week after week, tapping out all of your enhancement talent, beating up two guys, three guys, classic Vader built. Super easy. The way that Ryback was getting built in the last decade. You have him do that for a month, he is completely ready to go. But instead they pander to the goodwill of the fans, which... I think is a tactical mistake. And then he plugs his Twitch stream, which I, I don't, I don't want to hear that Matt Cardona plays with toys. I don't want to hear there. There goes back to the Jim Ross point. There's a certain world we're trying to build here, guys. Rusev day two is member berries. Yes. Hey, remember when he was doing Rusev day? Hey, loved re- Rusev remember day? Vicky Guerrero yelling, excuse me all the time on WWE television. Didn't you love that too? It becomes derivative. It becomes WWE derivative, which AEW doesn't want to be. Yeah. And, and then like, I mean, you know, and the stuff that is, you know, kind of the pure AEW or whatever, like uh, Kenny Omega, hangman page, um, young bucks and all that stuff. Like that's a mess. We haven't even talked about the tag team championship match yet. Well, we talked about it a little. <laughs> we said there are too many kickouts. Oh yeah, we well, we definitely said that. But I, I mean, like, I don't. They didn't have good chemistry, though. I I just I like. No, I it thought, felt it felt like Kenny and and Adam were making the re, we'll call them the revival, the revolution, or FTR, whatever you're gonna the call it. Revelation. Yeah. The revelation. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> All right, I, messing yeah, up the. I love the team. I love those guys. You know I do because I, I know, love Tully. I love them too, right? Like I, I was also in Dallas, like Takeover Dallas, man. Like I, these guys are good. These these guys are like one of my favorite teams of the last decade. If you if I had to make a list, there, there's no doubt they'd be in the top five. Not. But here's what mind. it felt like. It felt like they were forced to wrestle the match that Kenny and and Paige wanted to wrestle, as opposed to them calling the match in the ring. It felt yeah. like they deferred a bit. That's what it felt like to me. And also the dynamic between these four characters has gotten very weird and confused. Oh, it's become it's become histrionic. Yes. Yeah. It's like, become like, the, the Adam Page, oh, why why aren't don't the elite like me anymore type of story. And but it's even just, the FTR guys turned into mustache twirlers at the end of like yeah. we were getting in your head and we were messing with you this whole time. But like it, it that didn't necessarily it's, weird how that played out with you know omega and page and then you know the omega and page interviews from this week on dynamite didn't really help anything either well it's so weird because it's almost like the tag team celebration was a big middle finger to jim Cornette in a way because you have the classic we're gonna celebrate and we have this big old cake here you have Chekhov's cake there in the middle of the ring you're expecting them to go through the cake or someone to get his head put, or Tully's head to get put in the cake. No, it was just there so everybody could have a piece of cake. Yeah, at the end, the baby faces stand tall. I, okay, so <laughs> here's why I didn't have a problem with that narratively. I, I didn't. Oh, you know, I didn't it, have a problem with it. I thought it was. I thought it was no, a little it too sense. clever by half. Uh, yeah. Okay, so here's what I like about it. it. It telegraphs that FTR is about to go over on these guys. So whenever all these you know good guy tag teams are paired up together. 
um, they should be able to, you know, scare the hell out of FTR and FTR should be able to rub in their face all these victories. Um, I just, I, I'm with you. Like, I feel like it narrative dictates that FTR gets a taste of their cake if they're going to get the taste of victory here for the next six months. But I didn't necessarily hate the idea that the baby faces win and they're the ones who are eating the cake for right now. Like, oh, I didn't hate it. I was just, it was like. What are they doing here? Because they, it's they a come swerve up for the sake of a swerve, right? Yeah, it was a weird. It, it was a weird, like lame swerve, because they're 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 standing there waiting for Marco to dump the cooler on them. You know, a, a few seconds too long. I'm like, okay, are they going to go back in the ring and then get the cake? But no, it was just there so that Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy could have a piece of cake. But I I I don't mind the segment because. Tully speaking for 20 seconds engaged me like nobody else. That guy has the fire in his promo still. That's what I want. And, and it's, you know, no, I'll, I think I'll, that, you know, FTR is going to be fine. Um, yeah. I, I just, I think they're going to be fine because they're getting away from the hangman page, Kenny Omega stuff. Um, yeah. I think the hangman and Kenny thing is going to be, I think that's going to fizzle out. I, I don't see that feud getting white hot. I see it more going the fizzle direction. Um, speaking of fizzle, you know what has a little bit of fizzle in it? A mimosa. <laughs> you like that? You see what I did there? Orange That's Cassidy great... and Chris yeah. Jericho, they had a match here. A mimosa mayhem match. And let me tell you, buddy, chaos ensued. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one thing if Jericho's trying to drown Orange Cassidy in mimosas. That would have been something. The camp level was too high for me. I I need, like I said, it has natural camp. It doesn't need help. But if in that moment it becomes, oh, this choice of match was a bad choice because Chris Jericho may kill Orange Cassidy by drowning him. That that puts a level of something in there. But this was just, yeah, uh, oh, oh, towing around, towing around, and then finally you get the payoff. And I guess that's good for a mid card match, but. To it's me, they're not trying a to mid-card make match. Yeah, they're it's trying to make Orange Cassidy. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to make Orange Cassidy a little bit more serious. So, yeah, I, <sighs> I, the 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 point when Cassidy was the hottest during this feud was when he got inadvertently busted open and bled all over his leather, all over his denim jacket, and beat up Jericho all over the arena. Um, <laughs> if if they had gone home on this feud at that point and then just sold the like the bl- the black and white bloody orange cassidy dead of jacket like the meta thing of him doing the thumbs up of him doing the thumbs up of him doing the thumbs up or whatever busted up boom you've got your image you've got your like star making moment um chris jericho falling into mimosa it's a problem on two levels. One, this is supposed to be a star maker thing, and it's ended in a punchline. Two, the lasting image of the punchline is not Orange Cassidy. It's Chris Jericho who's the one who's laying in the Mosas. So you don't even really end this feud with the focus on Orange Cassidy. It ends on Jericho getting his comeuppance. Getting sprawled out in the mimosa, and that's the image everybody's going to remember. Yeah. Right, yeah. No, I, I agree with image. that. Especially with the name Mimosa Mayhem. It's whoever mm-hmm. went in the mimosa, that's who you remember. 
was hoping for old Grapefruit Cassidy to come out, but nope, that was not Melon to be. Cassidy needed to come out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the only other thing, you know, is mostly what I think is going to happen with this Eddie Kingston story and the, the team and the two teams he's managing. Okay, how do you I don't see think that playing out? I don't think he ends up with either of those guys. I think the Jericho Hager thing starts a rift with proud and powerful. I think Kingston gets tired of the Lucha brothers fighting and then he gives up on butcher and blade. I think he ends up with proud and powerful. Okay. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, th- and then our main event here from all in, uh, was Moxley, uh, versus MJF and like, I'm taking a victory I- lap. I'm taking a victory lap on that. Even though it wasn't a ref bump, it was still ref distraction. Oh and, yeah, no, yeah. no, you 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 nailed the finish of this. But this match, this was booked wildly incorrectly. Um, How so? Okay, so MJF has lied, cheated, done politics, done lawyers, everything he possibly could to try to win this title here from John Moxley. Um, during the course of this match, if you are trying to build MJF as a star. MJF needs to be beating the crap out of John Moxley for most of this match. And the person, if you're going to do a blood spot, the per, uh, the person who should be taking the blood spot here should be John Moxley, not MJF. Um, yeah, in a way, it, I guess it shows that MJF is quote unquote a tough dude because John Moxley beat the crap out of him for a really long time and then beat the crap out of him some more and then eventually won the match as uh, MJF was a bloody mess. But the person who should have been left a bloody mess who needed to cheat and break the contract that he agreed to sign should have been John Moxley. Um, that would have made the finish that you call Jeff, uh, basically spot on here, make a hell of a lot more sense than this version of it, where MJF is the bloody mess throughout of it, throughout the whole match. Cause it's kind of more like, why can't Moxley get the job done versus Moxley's a desperate man, but finds a way to, you know, win one out and MJF's a cheater too. So like you, you move into this gray area that's far more sympathetic. No, I, I agree. I'm trying to remember. I, and I think, man, I still think it might be a bit early to do the Wardlow-MJF split. Oh, I completely agree. And, that, and that's super campy, too, right? Like, like the whole, yeah. Wardlow's doing it for his family. Like, and then, like, why doesn't Wardlow have a <laughs> contract? What is that voice right that's, there? That's a, sad, that's a sad voice. We're sad for, why can't Wardlow get a contract with AEW when everyone else has a contract with AEW, even scrub guys? And Wardlow's on the TV every week, Jeff. Like, and no, Miro, like, it's, Miro it's, got one, but... Wardlow did right. No, Wardlow, who's <laughs> been on this show and had matches on this show in the past, still does not have an AEW contract. What's up, Tony Khan? Let's get on that, buddy. Um, no, like, like there's a lot of st- like that doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and one other thing too is MJF really didn't do a great job with the blood spot. Uh, it was really obvious when he was doing it. Um, nice job palming it into the mat. Like the the actual like flick looked really good, and he palmed it the right way. But uh, I shouldn't have been able to see the palming, and it shouldn't have been that obvious. Yeah, a lot of people pointed that out. That's that's what's so weird, is that when an, uh, so many people say, yeah, I saw him palming it. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else on AEW? Speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Um, What else happened on uh, AEW Dynamite? Did they have AEW Underground this week? <laughs> 
they had dark and they had a pretty good uh, uh, debut I'm match. From okay, the okay. So um, I like Mr. Brody Lee and uh, Dustin Rhodes. I-, I said this to you when I was watching um, the main show. Oh, yeah. You were asking me for something good here earlier to start the show. I think Dustin Rhodes is fantastic. Um, I think he's had a fantastic last 10 years in wrestling. Um, I think he's been heinously and criminally underutilized in this late stretch of his career. It's amazing that in the year 2020, he's still as good as he is. And when I say as good as he is, I'm not just like saying, quote unquote, for his age. I'm saying like he still compares really favorably to a lot of people who perform on both the WWE and AEW roster. Um, And yeah, Dustin Rose is always a bright spot for me. He's popping Tony Schiavone by doing Poison Ranas and Excalibur. That's <laughs> like, what the hell is that guy doing? Yeah, no, I, I love the guy um, as well. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed that match quite a bit. I wouldn't mind seeing Dustin get one last title run down the oh, road dude, as a TV as champ. Oh, the TNT champion, he's like the perfect yeah. fit for this. Yeah, he's, he's the great worker guy, good baby face, nice person you can trust in the middle of the pay-per-view to deliver a really good mid-card title match up uh, no i dustin rhodes i think he's great he can brawl he can promo he can make me care that's all i want in wrestlers and he's got really. spots that look good like he does high spots and he doesn't do a ton of them because he actually you know knows how to pick his pick his spots um but everything he does seems purposeful and everything he does looks really well executed when he does it I will go into something else I really liked as we go into NXT. I thought this Finn Balor Adam Cole match was pretty darn good. And I really liked the storytelling they told after the story. They do the two sweep as both were in the Bullet Club at one time. It's obvious to me they're starting to turn Adam Cole here, babyface, by him giving respect to an opponent. But it's going to be a slow turn. It's not going to be that instantly I'm a babyface now. You know, after years of being booed, it, it's sort of, you know, he's kind of coming around uh, personality wise, but it was a simple match. It built up to the one fall and I liked it a lot. I thought I thought this was much better than the four way where they're just trying to do so much storytelling at once that they couldn't really get any of it right. This one was two guys telling a story here and doing it well. Yeah, no, you know, this was a really nice way to finish out this angle. Um, And uh, one critique of this is it really did make the four-way seem like a way to just fill an hour on NXT last week. But the actual finish of this and the the beat of Cole slowly turning babyface and learning how to accept defeat in a graceful way rather than, like, in a dickish way, um, no, I, I think that that, that was really good. Um, no, I, And I like that as well. I, I concur with you. Tegan Knox went over to <laughs> the Gargano household. I'm here for heel Gargano and his dad jokes. I <laughs> like that part of it, but the rest of this sketch, no, it's it's like a mess. It's kind of enjoyable to watch, but it's, it's a, weird. It's a real mess. Yeah, it's weird because they're not hitting a lot of the right notes. But Johnny Gargano being dad joke Gargano, I'm here. And just like the the cattiness between all three of them. Like that was kind of, it's not unwatchable stuff. It's, it's enjoyable, but it's weird. And I don't know that I like it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and what, what might be the most convoluted way to get into an angle of, of at least the last two weeks, Shotzi Blackheart ends up (laughs) 
beating up Robert Stone, but going through a little barrier where Io Shirai is, and so Shirai gets mad, and then it ends up being a stare down between Shotzi Blackheart and Io Shirai. God, that really was a Rube Goldberg machine because it began with Robert yeah. Stone trying to sabotage Shotzi Blackheart's tank, and then she started beating up Aaliyah, then runs into Io, then it ends with, yes, them having this like standoff and holding off the Robert Stone brand, and they're going to have a match. It's a fine placeholder match. You know, I I, I don't think I Shotzi's going to win. I am both scared and interested in a Shotzi Blackheart Io Shirai match. Yes, it will be an interesting test of Shotzi. Io Shirai. No, it'll be a test of Shotzi because, like, if Io Shirai can't get Shotzi to where she needs to be, well, I, th- there's many question marks that arise after that. This is that classic, okay, Ric Flair can have a four-star match with a broomstick. Yes. Type of <laughs> type of match, type of challenge. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't want to... She's not a broomstick, as I've said no. in weeks past. There are things that she does. When she is I on her flashes. game, she's when she's on her game, she's very good. When she tries to do too much, she gets sloppy. We'll see if EO can Make guide her through. Yeah. That's um, all I'm saying. I'm not I'm not trashing no, no, shots no, at Blackheart. I'm with you. Um no, you're not trying to take shots at Blackheart? Is that is that what you said? No, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, um, so uh, Velveteen Dream, I, I'm done seeing this guy on my TV screen. Can we please move on from him? Well, uh, we moved on from him to Austin Theory. Yeah. Right. Not much better. <laughs> hey, God, you know dude. what? Can we Can we at least? Tag team him. Look, if, oh, God. <laughs> the and then send him to UK, and then they can be managed by Sid Scala and Joe. <laughs> oh, by the way, NXT UK. Coming back next week, Chris. You ready to add another show to the canon? Uh, yeah, I can't wait. I thought they already did reignite the Ilya Dragunov Walter feud that you've been on your pins and needles waiting to see. Oh yeah. Look, they need to come out and make statements about these guys and say they've been cleared. Otherwise, it just feels creepy having them on TV week after week. If sorry, they have not been and cannot be cleared. Uh, yeah, uh, given the allegations against. Basically, all the guys. I, I mean, I hate to say blanket statement of ever, everyone on NXT UK, but I can't think of a story on NXT UK where, like, it's these are pretty these are pretty strong allegations across the board here against all of these gentlemen. Whether it's Austin Theory, Velveteen Dream, or the the people in NXT UK we've spoken about, it has to be a schism in the undisputed era that they're doing right because Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish were pure heels here. Yes, right, and you were talking about uh, weird convoluted angles. The Killian Dane Drake Maverick angle is convoluted. I so. hate this angle. No, it's so stupid. Now I hate it. It's the same as the Cedric Alexander angle. To, well, not no, exactly. Yeah, no, it's kind of like a bizarro version of it, where it's like, why would Cedric Alex or why would um Drake, Drake Maverick, Maverick keep trying to be Killian Dane's friend after he's been punched in the face so many times? Yeah, that makes you a geek. It doesn't make you a nice guy. Well, I know he's really angry today, but maybe he'll like me tomorrow. Yeah, yeah no, maybe makes... if I save him enough times, he'll team with me, and then eventually, they eventually they're gonna become a team. Yeah, no, you know I this, know right? they are. They no, he's gonna melt the big the big angry man's heart somehow. 
And that's going to make the big anger man seem even less impressive. And they've done a decent job rebuilding Killian Dane, who had been knocked down a couple of pegs, needed to be rebuilt a little bit. And they did an okay, well, they were doing an okay job of that. But like, then, you know, there he loses to Roderick Strong here this week. Can I get a Beauty and the Beast montage? Like, they're dancing and like the tank is singing Be Our Guest or something like that. He's going to melt the heart of the big man. It was just your wording that gets me off on this tangent of dumb things we could do with this pairing. Oh, because- yeah, no, they're going to go shopping. Drake Maverick's going to introduce him to men's fashion and, you know, kind of like you know, men's toilet stuff. Maybe Manscaped makes an appearance. Now, see, I'm I'm here for that. I'm here for, like, Bobby Eaton joining the Blue Bloods. Okay, that's, like, one of my favorite uh, all-time. I mean, th- there's a lot of things going on there that I really enjoy. But but we're Bobby not even Eaton, close to that yet yeah, because we no, still have Killian no. Dane, you know, potatoing <laughs> Maverick when he comes out to hell. I go, I, that just, <laughs> I, I, need, I, need a, right? I need a promo to make that make sense. I need Killian to Dane to say, I'm not going to let a little shrimp like you emasculate me out there. Then it makes sense to me. But it's so undermining to Maverick's character that has been built up during the year 2020. Um, he was built up as this incredible underdog such that he lost his job at the, you know, they didn't say this on TV because you can't say COVID on WWE TV. Um, you know, at the height of the pandemic, like when it first started, he loses his job on WWE television. Then he gets to come back in, in canon or whatever and do this title match. And his reward, though he came up short for the Cruiserweight title, is he gets signed back with WWE, making him the beloved underdog. The, the underdog's underdog, you know, the person we're all supposed to sympathize with. Um, and he should be in charge of retribution, quite frankly. That would be, that would be, an, interesting, that would be an interesting way to go. That would be an interesting way to go. Um, but uh, in this case here, when he comes down and gets beat up by Killian Dane, uh, it, it, he's supposed to be sympathetic. Killian Dane can't sympathize with Drake Maverick's plight? Like, he... Uh, of. Essentially, Drake Maverick's character is supposed to be, even when a heel hates everyone else in the locker room and all the other baby faces, Drake Maverick's the one baby face that even like the most grizzled heel begrudgingly respects because they're a small guy who tries. Chris, if you had slept with my wife, that doesn't exist. And I was getting my ass beat by a couple of guys and you came down and saved me. I'd give you a fist bump and maybe buy you a beer. I still wouldn't like you at the end of the day, but you'd get at least something from, I wouldn't get up and punch you. Yeah, right. I, I mean, it just, it makes no sense. Don't be my friend. And, and if someone did that the first week, which is, I mean, that's the implied message there. Why would you, why? Just why? Um, okay. But you, you have to be in that room and somebody has to bring up, Hey, how can we make this make sense? And then you have storytelling to do, and it's just, it's so you so... have Drake Maverick come down, do the save on Killian Dane, and then he clears out of the ring, and he's just standing at the top of the ramp. So they're actually distanced from one another, so that no, Killian just... Dane can't hit him. This week, he's actually learned something. He's still trying to do the right thing, though. Yeah, there has to be something in Killian's backstory or current story or something where you go, this is why he's doing this. And then it makes sense. Cause now you're just watching this and going, well, you're just kind of a jerk and I'm not going to, I'm not going to like you after you pair because I'm just going to wait for the moment. It's the charming story of a jerk and an idiot. Yes. 
And nobody wants to see that. It's Yo, like when... who can't relate to those two archetypes? Who doesn't want to see themselves in those two characters? Wow, that baby face gets keeps getting turned on by his or her friends. Why does he or she keep making bad friends like this? Wow, I really identify with that angry man with uncontrollable rage problems, even towards people who are trying to help him. I sympathize with the person who hears music and loses all focus and turns away from the job that they are paid for to see why somebody's playing the music. Mm. Mm. <laughs> These people get it. These people get it. I just, I want to scream. Well, Jeff, you're thinking too hard about this. No, I want to be able to watch something and not feel like a moron. And, and this week has been bad. Yeah, no, be between All Out and Raw, like, I, I will say this. There was a burnout effect for me going into NXT um, where I was less open-minded to that show, which, as I look back retrospectively, when you get rid of the, I mean, I'll, you know, we'll be like, well, when you get rid of the bad stuff, the good stuff's good. Um, but, like, there's actually a good amount of good stuff here that balance out the bad stuff. And, like, in a more normal week where you didn't have an overwhelmingly bad Raw and an overwhelmingly bad pay-per-view from AEW, um, I think I'd be pretty positive on this NXT show as TV. And ratings were up for both of them. I mean, why not keep NXT on, you know, on Tuesday at this point? And why not give uh, Mercedes Martinez more time to develop? I, you know, one thing I am not bullish on is this uh, retribution angle. I think this is going to be increasingly stupid as weeks go oh, on. She doesn't need time to. She doesn't need time to develop. I'm. I'm. I'm saying develop I'm, as I'm an on-screen personality. I know that she doesn't need time to develop in the ring. We, you know, like I, I'm yeah, aware. Yeah, I, I guess so. I think she has her personality down pretty well. It's just I just all the all the people that they have in retribution right now because here's. I've already spoiled that one, but the people in that promo, I believe it's been kind of speculated because one of them, I thought one of them was Tommaso, but I don't think that's Tommaso. I think that's Shane Nichols. I think it's Shane Nichols, Mia Yim, Mercedes, Dijakovic, and I think Dio Matt is the big guy with the hood, or it's Eric Rowan. I can't tell which one it is, but these guys just scream red shirts to me. They're, they're they're good veteran hands that they don't see as star power. Bring them in, get them beat, and get out. That that's what it seems like to me. And I think I'd much rather have Mercedes Martinez be with Shayna Baszler as a tag team right now than Nia Jax. But uh, yeah, no, I love this cage match. We're going into the main event now. I could have done without Robert Stone histrionics on the cage. I get it, though. He's a manager. This is what you're supposed to do. Kind of. I just think he's never shown himself to be competent. So, <laughs> you know, it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't affect me when, you know. Yeah, I, no, I, I think Robert Stone as a character is someone who they came up with an initial visual concept. Do you think he's the Tony Khan commentary? Do you think that's true? Because I've seen a lot of people push up against that i am l less convinced of it but i also think that like maybe they saw a few pictures of tony khan and that's kind of where they initially built this off of but like i i mean he's obviously like different than that too um and khan is not that caricature and it's also so like inside baseball if like you really believe that i just it it's stuff that i don't necessarily i i don't know that necessarily translates um but uh, they because they're not doing they're not doing any con commentary on him, you no, know, like no. they would 
Like, 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 let's take this for example, because I blocked this out of my head, even though it just happened about an hour and a half ago. The Paul Heyman penguin character. <laughs> He's a walrus. A walrus, God, sorry, with a walrus. On, man. He's wobbly, 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 walrus. <laughs> what point is this? Are they going to rebuild Bray? Well, you up see, Jeff, here, here's Roman? the thing. Here's the thing to think about Paul Heyman is fat. A lot of people yes. call him, they call him, you'll, you'll like this, you'll find this funny. They call him the Paulrus. And, and that is because he's a, kind of a big guy, you know? Oh, but just the Vince puppet and the Heyman puppet and Such Miro and the brass ring stuff. This is just, I, it turns me off. I know some people like it, it turns me off. But also, we talked a little bit about this before the show, but we need to get this on air now. All right, is Bray a babyface or is he a heel? Because if he's a babyface, why is he brainwashing Alexa Bliss? While talking about Paul Heyman. While well, talking about Paul Heyman, exactly. I, I think it's, okay, so first and foremost, I think it's a mistake to bring Bray back into this story right now because the way they're trying to reintroduce him, if, if he can make a puppet any week that he wants. Uh, this, this is how deep you're going to go with it. Uh, more importantly, you've got a really great story that I'm actually into in Roman Reigns and Jimmy Uso that doesn't need Bray Wyatt and his puppet of Paul Heyman undermining the heel build of Roman Reigns. Like, So this is kind of counterproductive on two levels. It's counterproductive when it comes to Bray Wyatt because you've got him messing with Alexa's mind. That is the story that is being told. We see that playing out with Alexa and Nikki Cross. Um, then this vibe... Uh, on Brayweez Playhouse this week was very much heelish, but the people he was going after were also heels. Uh, this is a mess. Uh, this Bray Wyatt. Unless they're not even going to mention Bray with Alexa Bliss, it's just, oh, Alexa Bliss was touched by Bray and she's on her own and this is happening to her, which makes no sense either. That wasn't wouldn't have been my verb choice in that last sentence there, but uh, yeah, no. What did, I, what did wait? You what said Alexa Bliss was touched by Bray. Oh well, <laughs> you know what I meant. No, no I mean, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I, I'm with you here. Um, I, I just, I think that this is a mistake on multiple levels. Yeah. I just I, oh, and by the way, is is Paul? Did Heyman say he's the reigning yes. champion? Yes, that also play that uh, that has to go. That has to go. That's so campy. And the other thing about the Bray because Wyatt I thing, loved I loved the tone of that promo up until that point. And then I just yes. went, did he just say that? He's been saying it for a couple of weeks now. It's it's bad. okay. Um, the other problem though with the Bray Wyatt thing was just like having the the Paul Heyman walrus thing next to the husky uh puppet. Like the whole the the pig puppet is like a reference to the fact that Bray Wyatt used to get mocked for being overweight. Like it it's just I don't know the whole thing was very perverse. Um and yes I hate the reigning defending champion. <laughs> I like that's kind of campy and I and I like this pairing, but this does seem very much like a rush job without kind of uh, that kind of recurring problem of long-term story arc i don't even know if paul Heyman doesn't seem confident that he is going to be paired 
with Roman Reigns for a long extension of time. And I think he needs to have knowledge that this pairing is a pairing that is going to last for a while um, before he can really be maximum Paul Heyman. Yeah, and I think like the Mr. Brody character on AEW, I I just find that this is going to be for like a fourth of the audience. These these inside jokes, like I'm I'm almost well, they positive lost they're the gonna... thread on just the Vince McMahon rib too. Now he's yeah. like kind of like a weird, just angry sort of cult leader sometimes, but then and like they're sort of a cult and they're sort of brainwashed, but sometimes they're not really brainwashed, but they are kind of brainwashed. But Silver's definitely brainwashed. It's, it's well, but but I'm I'm just on the meta commentary kind of thing. Like like the the Vince puppet goes, "What in the what in the my house is going on here?" You know, because oh, of course, the devil Vince character is from hell. You know, it, it touches. It's it's oh, I can be self-deprecating, but at the same time, that means you have to be self-deprecating about your weight as well. It feels. It feels it, it feels like, oh, I'm making my fun of myself, so I should be able to make fun of you, and you should be able to make fun of yourself as well. I, I don't. It, it makes me vaguely uncomfortable. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it's, it's not like deep discomfort, but it's like, you know, it's like when you bite into a sandwich and it's got a flavor in there and you can't really put your finger on it, but you don't like it. Yeah, it's going to get a little too inside baseball, possibly. I think, you know, they may, you know, oh, wow. <laughs> Wobbly Walrus is gonna have a have a playhouse inside a bingo hall, and it's gonna go out of business. Yup, yup, yup. You know, whatever. You know, they can just go stay on the uh, they can just stay on the physical. I just I don't see I don't see the point of it unless they're rebuilding up to the Roman rematch, other than to take shots at Heyman. And I think I don't think that's the right time because he is the manager right now of your biggest act. And I Other really think Bailey. the focus needs to be on the Uso Reigns dynamic because you want to get over what's changed about Roman when it comes to his family. And like, I want this match against uh, Jimmy to be merciless. I want Roman to beat Jimmy Uso within an inch of his life. Like, like I, I don't know if not WWE doesn't do color, uh, but it'd be really cool if they did. Cause like, that's what I want Roman Reigns to do. I want him to dismantle Jimmy Uso. And like, I want Jimmy Uso at the end of that match to be looking at Roman Reigns going, why, why are you doing this? And then Roman Reigns just spears him. Yeah. Like I dug the part like, Hey, we ain't kids anymore part, but yes. it seems like, it seems like Jimmy Uso is a lack of focus type thing right now. And realizing that Roman's not a heel because it's like, Oh, Roman just decides to show up late to the tag match, take the win. And it's kind of, it's kind of like, do you not get that he's a jerk now, dude? It, it, it's, it's a little too much stupid baby face syndrome. Yeah. Whereas well, I kind of want to see the fight. SmackDown was like weird, right? Like where yeah. like he holds up the title. So it's like this knowing thing, but then like Reigns really is a heel at this point. So like, that's where he should have like snatched away from Jimmy. And like, that's the first time we should have really seen that clear, like, Roman's Roman's been playing it cool right now, right? But as as a heel, he can't actually be cool with this stuff. He can't right. actually tolerate tolerate it. He needs to give the facade of tolerance, and when that facade breaks down underneath its unbelievable cruelty and intensity. Let's revisit Aunt Pam to end this. Um I like 
I, I, I think it's, it's weird because I liked what WWE did with the video package with Sasha Banks being kind of the cheerleading baby facing. Let's go back and get our titles. I liked that Bailey pinpointed that she thought that Sasha was going to turn on her. I wish she had shown video of, you know, those, those vague looks and stuff like that. And actually make her have a good point. This is one of the few times I'd ever say the heel should have a good point in turning heel and saying this, these things. And this will make Sasha hopefully try and mend her ways. I think Sasha needs a redemption process of some ways after being the boss for so often, as opposed to just straight up. I'm a baby face now all good. You know, with the other baby faces in the locker room, I want that discomfort. I want this to be a deeper character building thing for Sasha other than just, I'm out to get Bailey for turning on me saying, yo, maybe she was right. Maybe I need to change something in myself kind of thing. Yeah. But you just don't want to give Bailey too much of a point here. And yeah, no, and that's the, and that's the danger. That's the yeah, danger. and the problem here is the finish of this story has really relied heavily on retroactive continuity to try to make coherence out of incoherence. And if this had been more smoothly executed, this would be like one of the better stories that they had put together over the last five years here, because this has been a lot of fun. Um, I I just like. It was hard for me to go with it was a plan all along because the story on my TV screen has not really reflected a Bailey knows that it's a plan all along and she's just laying low like a snake in the grass to stab Sasha in the back before she gets stabbed in the back. Here's the other problem. You know what? You know what? No, I want to go up because that's a very good point you just made because that's something I. Yeah, I had skipped over that part of the promo, but you're right. That is. No, they, it should have been. No, we were legitimately friends and we were getting we were getting what we wanted. And as soon as you didn't get what you wanted, I could see you were going to start to turn on me. So I did it as opposed to I always was going to use you just to get what I wanted. And then I was going to dump you later. That's more that's mustache twirling. That's not smart villain. Right. And, and it makes it hard for Sasha to get repositioned in a favorable light, which is where this ultimately has to go. Um, it, it, it just, it's kind of a miss in terms of getting on the off ramp of this storyline here. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, at least they didn't bring her back this week. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So, I mean, like they're still doing more things right than they are doing wrong with it. Yes. The, yeah. the silence on social media is great. I like that a lot. Less is more um, often. Less is more. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, this was one that needed more nuance. Instead of that, but you know, WWE doesn't do nuance that well. It has to be big and bold because us stupid people would never get nuance at all. Uh, a sneaky match that won't go away. Otis and Tucker versus the Miz <laughs> and John Morrison. We, we talk often about Andrade and the street profits, but uh, th- this pairing is quickly moving into that territory. I hate this program. And I'll tell you why, because it, <laughs> It's the possession is nine tenths rule of the contract, which it should be. You won the contract. If you have the contract and it's in, even if it's not in the briefcase, it's supposed to be signed, right? Like the contract, yes. when you win it, you sign the contract and then you hand in the contract. Cause like, 
you wouldn't just hand in a blank contract. Like it's the contract Otis, is it's supposed to like carrying around like a giant novelty check that's signed, but it's not made out to Otis. Yeah, a, gi- <laughs> like no, anybody... a giant blank check, and it can, yeah, it's. <laughs> And it's like, well, anybody can sign their name because Otis never put his name on the contract. Like, that would just make him the dumbest geek ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ducky, I can't wait to cash in this million-dollar check. Watch you put your name on it, Otis. No way, Ducky. Best part is putting your name on the front and then putting your name on the back, Ducky. Oh, Tucky, why is your name on this contract? <laughs> Tucker just knocks him out. Uh, I was just Takes testing my signature with the pen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this ketchup? <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's like, no, he won the match. He has the t- contract. It's not like, oh, I take, it's not like a title belt where, oh, if I steal the briefcase. Well, I guess, No. God, I can't even do that right because they've used it as a I'll put my briefcase up for grabs, but that was at least in the context of a match versus stealing it. And Otis really does feel like an absolute goof in the backdrop of what they're trying to do right now with Roman Reigns. He uh, has to lose. He has to lose his contract, though, in order to do it, right? I mean, it's... Oh, it's, yeah. No, no. He's he's gonna, not. He's never going to cash in. I mean, if he does cash in, um, one... He will do it in the babyface stupid way where he tells Roman Reigns well in ah, advance that he wants yeah. to cash in his contract so that it it's the honorable thing to do. Oh, yeah. And negating negate the entire purpose of the money in the bank contract. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want to take advantage of Roman. Which will be funny after he spent all this time talking about strategy with Tucky at the beginning of him getting the briefcase. That <laughs> would make him even stupider. But yeah, yeah. no, he's going to get tricked out of this contract and then someone like The Miz is going to try and cash in. And get speared or something. I don't know. Why would a heel? But then Jeff, why would a heel cash in on Roman? You're right. But there's no way they're giving this title to, to Otis. No, no, no. Especially not when they're in a big main event push with Roman and Paul Heyman. The percent. I mean, this is kind of uh, not to backtrack entirely to the AEW thing. This is the other problem though with their main event, right? They telegraph the finish of that main event by giving away who won the battle Royal, right? Like once you know, Lance Archer wins that battle Royal, it's no doubt in your mind that Moxley's going over in the main event because Archer's a heel and MJF's a heel. Um, in the same way that you've got this problem with Otis right now in the money in the bank briefcase, everyone knows that this guy is not going to cash in successfully for Roman Reigns' title. Like if he goes up against Roman Reigns, WWE is not having Roman Reigns put over Otis Dozovich. I want happening. Roman to kill him. I want yeah. Roman to, to to Brock Lesnar him no, into guy's oblivion. Getting murdered. No, and, and that's honestly the best way you I mean, I want that because it would help too. with his sympathy, too, because I don't right. have any sympathy for Otis anymore. I want him to be completely surprised by it. But, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, same. I kind of want the same thing with the Jimmy Uso thing where like Roman goes way too far. And it's like Paul Heyman's just delighting on the outside as Roman's being unbelievably cruel and methodical and just dismantling Otis Dozovich and then putting him away. Um, like, but that's the other problem too, with the arrive wreck shop and leave thing that they're doing with Roman's gimmick. Uh, the whole point of a heel it's two on the nose. <laughs> well, no one. Okay. So it's like super on the nose. Right. But two, the other part of the heel, and it's a key part of the heel dynamic is the heel dynamic slow and methodical and it takes time. When someone shows up and does a really cool thing and leaves, they're a baby face. Stone cold with the stone cold stunner. 
He shows up, glass shatters. He hits him with the Stone Cold Center, and he leaves. If Goldberg Reigns, with his twenty second matches, right. Magnum TA with his twenty second matches. Yeah, that's a it's a baby face thing. That's not a heel thing. Right, right. I, I mean, they you know they did an okay job kind of masking it this week with Jimmy Uso in this one scenario. But like, I mean, really. Roman Reigns should his match. You know, people used to complain about the methodical phase of his matches before. He should be feasting in that now. I agree. It's all the time I'm going to give to wrestling this week. I'm going to go watch something enjoyable. Probably not sports because that scares the heck out of me in our times right now. But uh, you know what I've been watching? I, I told you this uh, over the last couple of weeks. Here. I've been watching the Avengers, and Diana Rigg just passed this week. Rest oh yeah, no, Mrs. she's Peel. great. Oh, I know. She's fantastic. If you guys have never seen the Avengers in black and white or in color, they are both very, very fun. And she was drop dead perfect in Game of Thrones as well as the uh, Queen of Thrones or Queen of Thorns as the nickname. Um, Just a perfect port from the book. And she stole every scene she was in in there. So uh, rest in peace to the great Diana Rigg. Once again, like to thank my bookie use code ropes double your first deposit new players get up to one thousand dollars in free play also like to thank keeps get your first treatment for free just use the code shake ropes at checkout you can follow me at crap game 13 you can follow sh- you can follow shake them ropes at shake them ropes you can follow the show at shake them ropes you can follow chris novembrino at chris novembrino Chris also does other podcasts of other variety I don't have time for such things Chris what are you working on um, we're going to Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find over at Don'tWorry.tv. Go and check it out. Um, follow us uh, at DWATG. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. That's Don't Worry About the Government. Enjoy your weekend. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.